And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Tuesday, July 5th, and today we are re-airing an interview that we had conducted with Seth Kugel. He was, at the time, the frugal traveler columnist for the New York Times. He now has a new column for the New York Times. It's called Tripped Up. So in this part of our interview, again, this was before the pandemic, so we're not talking about that. Seth provides tips for booking a vacation and searching for great deals. Okay, here is the second part of our interview with Seth Kugel. If someone's listening right now and they say, I haven't booked my summer vacation, Mm -hmm. uh, what should they do to get started? Is it just as simple as like, where is it that you want to go? Or should it be about price? Or I mean, obviously there's a budget involved. If they haven't booked their summer vacation yet, and price is a factor, they're not going to want to think about where their dream destination is. They're going to look around for good deals. And there are tools on a lot of um, online travel agencies, as we call them, Kayak and Wikipedia yeah. and that kind of thing. They can see, like, where are the deals? And you can Google how to, how to find those. Uh, and it'll say, well, for these particular dates or for this month, these dates, you can get to Romania or, or, or Turkey or you know, whatever, for cheaper than usual. Right, Phoenix is a very uh, good place to Phoenix find a good, good deal. A good, fantastic exactly. deal in, in August. Another thing you can do is look at the average prices for specific dates on a hotel booking site, and so you can sort of see, oh boy, if this place is, if you look for New York over Christmas week or something like that, you're going to see really high prices. But maybe if you looked in, I don't know, in Chicago in August, you'll see that there's a week that there's nothing going on, and, and maybe it's a cheap time to go there and a great time to go to, to Chicago. What's your opinion about using these online searches because uh, one travel person told me that 
Nowadays, you can look online, but only half of the inventory is available online, so you're actually better off calling hotels. Is that right? I don't think that half of the inventory is online, but there is a strange rule that says that no matter what site you go to, the hotel, at least the big chains, they sort of say we're, the only way you can get listed on Booking and Expedia and Hotels.com is by having the same price available on your own site as they do on Hotels.com. And they have to pay a commission to Hotels.com. So if you call them and say, are there any better places, some places, especially especially small hotels, will be like, yeah, we can give you a 10% discount because you're both making money. You're cutting right. out the middleman. But they're not allowed to put that online. Sometimes right. they put it online because nobody's super monitoring that. But, yes, yeah, so calling a place is a really good idea uh, and asking what their best rate is for this time. The opposite, though, can also happen. I've been on road trips where I go and walk into a motel, like an average comfort inn or whatever, so I need a place to sleep, and I ask what the price is, and they say, well, it's $97 a night. And I'm like, hold on a second. And then I go onto one of the apps, and it's like $53 a night. Oh I'm like, God. why don't you give me this rate? Because I'm going to pay $53 a night to Hotels.com, and then Hotels.com is going to keep $10. You're only going to get 43 but they don't. They just can't do it. All right, so, so you want to do both. So good practice to do both. You can also get a sense when you call them. You get a better sense of it uh, than, than looking at a website, right? Because if they're very friendly and they're nice when they answer the phone and they pay attention to you, that's, chances are that's the way they're going to treat you. Okay, you. shall we talk about the elephant in the room, which is flying and how much uh, I hate it? I'm fine, but... Podcast hosts don't always fly first class. I fly first me? in business because I'm almost six feet tall, but oh, right. it is, but it's still ridiculous. I mean, the way that the industry has now wedged us in, in general, I was it was it on the Times where I read an article about why business class, why you cannot sleep in business class seats because the way they have like engineered them is actually not the way most people sleep, which is they give you room at the head, but not at the waist. Uh, you know, I did write a column called The Frugal Traveler for five years, so I, I'm not used to business class. So I'm sort of Let me just a say this. cry me a river kind okay, of. Okay, I get it, but but just flying in general. Oh, it's, it's horrible. I mean, one, there's a few things I would say about that. First of all, don't fly multiple times in one trip. But don't say I'm going to go for three weeks to Europe. I'm first I'm going to go to Paris, and I'm going to go to Greece, and I'm going to go to, you know, Berlin. Go to one place. Take the train after that if you mm-hmm. if you need to get out. First of all, flying multiple times in one trip is terrible environmentally. Uh, flying is a really is a, a climate change sort of bad causer. Bad. And so no one's stopping traveling. But if you could just take one flight each way, and then either take a bus or rent a car or or don't go very far. Uh, People try to fit in. I had a friend who tried to take a trip, doesn't travel much, tried to take a trip for two weeks to Spain and Morocco and tried to go to about six different cities in two weeks, which is just insane. Two days per city. I mean, I guess in theory, when you think about it, it sounds okay. But then imagine getting from one place to another takes half a day to begin with. You're rushing around. Personally, the first 24 hours I'm in a strange city, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't feel good anyway. I feel like disoriented. Yeah. So go to a place for a longer period of time, and that'll save you, and then you'll just have to suck it up and take the one the one trip. Frugal traveler, I'll go, go back to your roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about all these ideas about when to book, do you call this time the flights and where you get good deals and calling 329 days in advance to get you use your mileage? Or There's all these seems like workarounds. What What's the, the best I practice? I think the best practice is to book as far in advance as you can without going crazy about it. Obviously, if you're 
trying to book in summer vacation or spring break or something like that, you want to do it earlier. When they say you should book 53 days in advance for international flights, that is an average. That means that on average, if you did that 100 times, you would save an average of $3 each time. There's no not even close to an exact science. There is a cool site called hopper.com that has, if you really want to research it, that would be a place to research it. Like when's the best month to travel here. It is also certainly true that there are high seasons and low seasons in different places, but how many days in advance to book, or should you book on a Tuesday or something right. like that? That was a, right. There was like 12.01 Tuesday morning. That was a yeah, big thing for I mean, a minute. One of the big problems I think with travel today is people get obsessed and spend so much time trying to, you know, we used to just go to a travel agent and let them do it. I loved that. Uh, and travel agents still exist, by the way, and they still work pretty well. So if you're the kind of person that l- loves to obsess over setting your alarm so you can get up and, and check the, the flights at a certain time of the middle of the night to get the best. I mean, sure, if that's the kind of thing you like to do, if that thing causes you dread, then just take it a little easier or get someone else to plan your trip for you. What about these uh, tertiary airports? Um, huh. worth checking out? Because like, sometimes you can get screwed yeah. by doing that. Well, you're talking about like when you have a really cheap flight, but you end up an hour outside yeah. of Paris. Or, first of all, you have to check what the transportation is from one place to the other. You know, one of the ones in Paris, I can't remember the name of it. It's like an hour outside of Paris or an hour and a half. But there is a bus. You get right on the bus, but it does cost you a certain amount of money. Factory of that, factor of the timing. If you're going to Paris for a month, maybe that's worth it. If you're going to Paris for four days for the long weekend, it's definitely not worth it. And you know what's weird about that? Like just in general, like, hey, I wanted to go have the experience of doing the channel once. Okay, yeah. Which was great. Sure. One problem, it's expensive. Yeah. I was I was shocked. It was cheaper on the next trip. It was cheaper because I happened mm-hmm. to be in London. And it was cheaper to fly to Paris than take the channel. And there you go. But uh, the, then you have the cheap seats and you have the long trip to I the know. airport and trains now have turned into a luxury look i just uh recently went to philadelphia uh i could have taken the amtrak from new york or i could have taken the bolt bus and you know what amtrak was like over a hundred dollars round trip and the bus was like twenty dollars wait a minute which one is environmentally better Taking public transportation is better either way, so I'm not really sure whether a, bu- a train is probably better. Right. But is it $50 better each way? Oh, uh, I got you. I'm with uh, you. I'm but the- driving would be the worst. Driving is, right. is the worst thing you, you can... Driving, I shouldn't say that. Flying and driving are sort of equally bad. If you can take trains and buses... So you travel extensively to Latin America, mm-hmm. uh, Central America, obviously, sure. as well, and uh, and also Europe. Are there places that you really are saying, like, I have got to do this for the Times or for anywhere else because there's, like, a passion that you have that you haven't done it yet? Well, one of the problems with writing about travel, about places you haven't been, is that you don't know that much about them. Yeah, but still. Uh, I mean, uh, I've, I'm very poorly traveled in Southeast Asia, and it is a place I would love to go. Um, By the way, my aunt who lives in Australia, when she first went to Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. she had the greatest remark ever. It's a long way to go for a palm tree. <laughs> well, it is something you have to watch out for. So so if you, if I think of Australia, I went to Fiji once, and Fiji to us seems like this far away, exotic place in the South Pacific. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you get there and it's all a bunch of drunk people from Australia. 
on it's like their Caribbean. It's not that there aren't really nice places to visit in Fiji, but don't think you're going to be in this isolated land full of wonders. It's like going to the Dominican Republic is for us. Right. It's a quick hop from New York. It's four hours, and it's a place where, yeah, you can go to wonderful places there, and it's a great culture. But a lot of people go just to get away from it, get, get away for the weekend. And that's what you're going to find in places like that. So be sure you realize that even no matter how far away you go, there's probably someone from nearby visiting like just for the weekend. Where is it that you you've I'm forgetting about you don't have to be an expert. Well, I want to see it through your eyes. Probably the place that I most regret not having been to at all. Don't be shocked is India. That's the same with me. Yeah. I've realized this. I, I don't know about India specifically, but anytime I go to a big country, I'm always amazed at how many great places there are that nobody... Look at the United States. Oh, yes. So when a tourist comes from abroad and goes to the United States, they want to go to New York, they want to go to New Orleans, maybe they want to go to Yellowstone. Think of all the other great places in the U.S. that the average foreign traveler has never heard of. Think of like the South, Charleston, South Carolina, or like people from abroad haven't heard of the, those places or... or Texas, like doing a road trip in Texas or something like that. Well, India is that kind of place. It's it's humongous. There's a ton, a ton, a ton of different cultures all over the place. It's not whatever the images of India in my mind. I know that that's not what it really is. Now, Mark, who is a world traveler himself and a great executive producer, thinks that there is absolutely no way he'll ever go to India. Is that true, Mark? That is true, he says. I am enamored and slightly scared. People do find themselves overwhelmed by mm-hmm. India. It is not a place to go if you like to be isolated. I'm pretty sure if I went to India, I'd, I'd stop by Mumbai or something for a couple of days, and then I would find some rural area to go to uh, that's kind of like... <laughs> so one of the things I like to do is when I go into TripAdvisor and say things to do in a place, I like to go to like number 422, and because I know that that's going to be a sort of an interesting spot like oh, or or just to Google like twenty places in India you've never heard of, and find one of those and make that my first trip to India as opposed to um, going to the the, the hotspots which are going to be these huge cities with lots of great stuff I'm sure, but also tons of tourists, massive crowds, lots of uh, discomfort at being a rich person in a poor because you're rich if you go to India no matter yeah. how rich you are here. I very carefully curate my first India experience so it's not stereotypical. And try so to, let's stay in touch. I think we can yeah, uh, make something happen it. here. I'll do the first world part. You do the third world part. <laughs> and then you'll help me. And you'll be in business class and I'll be in coach. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. To India? Come on. Do you take drugs when you fly overnight or not? I do. What do you take? Uh, um, what's the it's a, Ambien? Uh, yeah, it's Ambien. It's, it has a different name because it's the generic, so yeah. I never remember what it is. Mm. I take Ambien. Um, I didn't do it for decades, and then I was like, "Well, why am I not sleeping on a plane? I'm just going to take this drug." I don't yeah, care. I know, and it, it works pretty well. Yeah, you know, just got to chill, and like, so you don't want to wake up the next morning and be like, "Oh my god, I cannot function for three days." It does bother me sometimes to miss like breakfast or something. Not, not that the, the food is terrible. That is so funny. Like, God, I can't believe I missed a free breakfast because I slept through it on Ambien. Mm, I never worry about that. I just <laughs> never worry about it. I know. Concern. And I always bring snacks, even wherever you're sitting on the plane. Just bring snacks with Well, you. one thing I definitely do now that has really changed how enjoyable uh, planes are is I, I was talking about missing breakfast, but I purposefully miss dinner. So when, when you fly overnight, if it's an overnight flight, you do not want to eat dinner on that plane. Mm-hmm. I will have like a salad in the airport 
even if I don't bring anything myself, I will go out of my way and pay extra money to have a salad in an air, in the airport before I get on the plane at a reasonable hour rather than being served 11 p.m. heavy dinner. Horrible. I hope that you're ready to book your travel. You better be frugal about it now because everything's more expensive. But so much of Seth's advice really resonates today. And uh, the frugality factor, oof. Boy, we sure do need it. Travel's gotten a lot more expensive. So hope you are off and running for your post-Independence Day weekend. We'll be answering your questions tomorrow. Yep, right back to work for us. So if you've got something on your mind, it's keeping you up, you're a little freaked out, you're not freaked out, it doesn't matter, give us a holler. Go to JillOnMoney.com, click the Contact Us button, and let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. That would be great. Okay, do me a favor. Do something nice for someone else today, okay? Grit, growth, grace. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.